0: We've said today our weekly podcast radio show about all things to do with the Beatles. I'm Alan Cozen. I'm joined by my co-hosts Steve Marinucci, who you know from as the Beatles Examiner and many other kinds of examiners on the internet. Al Sussman, a uh, contributor and actually these days executive editor of BeatleFan, Fan. Uh, our other Regular co host Ken Michaels is away this week. Um, we do have a guest, Candy Leonard, the author of Beatleness, which will soon be coming out in its paperback edition. Um, one of the more interesting books that turn up in the past year, full of books celebrating the Beatles' 50th anniversary. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a 50th anniversary tonight, which is the anniversary of Rubber Soul, one of the more. Really one of the more not not that any of them are less important particularly than any of the others, but certainly a highlight in the Beatles catalog a turning point in a lot of ways a lot of people feel the the first you know step towards really sort of maturity as composers and recording artists and um, so we're going to be all talking about that and it's um, a specialty of candies so why don't we start with you and um, tell us what 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 draws you so? strongly to River Soul.
1: Well, I can still remember the first time I heard it. No, um when I was interviewing fans for *Beatles*, the uh, as you said in your introduction, that was the record that really where you saw and heard them evolving kind of before your very eyes. I mean if you saw it a little bit with help and you know even you know, all along, every time we saw them, they looked a little, you know, different, whatever. But, but Rubber Soul was absolutely a... It was recognized by the end users, as we call the fans today, you know, uh, using lingo from today. Um, yeah, you know, what was the experience of the end? The user experience, right? So um, they experienced it as something radically different, and even not only the music, but the, everything about it, the cover, the their appearance was was different they were um one fan you know well the cool 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 that was the word i mean throughout i mean talking about rubber soul or anything else Beatle, the two words that i heard the most were cool and joy um Mm -hmm. and of course both those words were applied to rubber soul absolutely but they the cover of how how cool they looked and like everything as with the Beatles, they their mind was open, their ears were open to music, to the the, the language that they were using. And, and it was, they it, it said things like, it, it, it brought me along. I didn't necessarily have to be thinking about girl-boy relationships in this way yet. But, you know, there it was, and it was so compelling. I mean, the music was always so compelling. And... You know, the, it, they, they loved it. They loved it. And, and critics loved it, too. In fact, that was where, uh, I think it was Newsweek, that two years before had dismissed them, called them bards of pop and praised it to the hilt. And so it was mm-hmm. really their, their cultural authority, really, with fans, with critics, with, with the establishment, if you will, um, really changed with Rubber Soul.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Al, what do you remember of it coming out?
2: Well, I was, you know, I was such a fan at that point that I, you know, was waiting with bated breath for every new Beatles release. And just, you know, a few weeks earlier, we had gotten this incredible double A-sided single. We can work it out at day tripper. So mm-hmm. uh, we knew that there was a new album coming out, and it's it was almost well, not quite how how it was in the weeks uh, before Sgt. Pepper came out. But certainly there was, uh, there was a lot of anticipation. And I can recall, I mean, I can recall as if it was yesterday, going into a record store in Hackensack, New Jersey, and uh, seeing it, um, and, and, and especially since this was, uh, to, to show you how incredibly big the Beatles were at that moment in time. The word Beatles is not on the front cover of that album, <laughs> just the just that kind of slightly distorted Robert Robert Freeman right picture mm-hmm. of uh, of the Beatles with again the slightly what I guess we would later term as psychedelicized title up in the corner up at the left hand corner. But
0: and the title just, is like the shape of a sole, right? The sole of a shoe. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and uh, just just seeing that—I mean—that that first image was is kind of locked into my into my memory. And, it's a very
1: striking image. Yeah, very yes. striking.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so. Very much so, and uh, you know, and especially as Candy said, you know, you kind of look at the album cover, and uh, you know, all during the year. People had been looking at pictures of them, and their hair was a little longer, and uh, and there was a uh, uh, a certain glint in their eyes. Well, at least two of them uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that we didn't that we didn't quite know about yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was um, it was it was very uh, very very interesting uh, to see. They that.
1: seemed mm-hmm. they seemed more grown up in that. Yes, gesture. in other words, they weren't yes. they weren't. Um, you know, the hair was a little shaggier. They looked like they mm-hmm. were wearing regular clothes. It, it didn't have that posed. I mean, it was obviously posed, but it looked more. It is just they looked more grown up. Like, look, they was less managed. Somehow, it wasn't less a four, it, it,
2: Right. It wasn't a four jolly mop tops picture. Right.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. And the four of them, and they're kind of slightly looking down. At, you know, in fact, one one fan described it as they looked menacing, like they were looking down on a victim. <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. So thought, you know,
1: they, they look very powerful. You know, they look very big and important. You know, which they were at that time. I mean, they were really—I wouldn't say at the top of the world. Yeah, well, yeah, they were kind oh, of know, were actually, Yeah, when yeah. you think about the arc of—you know—the many ways you can sort of define that arc, and certainly mm-hmm. late '65 was—you know—way. You know, they were av- very much ascending still. You know, yes. and 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 yes. really up there and you know, they had just won the MBE, not won, whatever, they had just been awarded, (laughs) (laughs) a weird way of describing yeah, they had just uh, been awarded the MBE, they, you know, had been at the Shea concert, had been a few months before, it was the end of Mm -hmm. 65, and and it was, um, they were on top of the world, they were four princes, you know, And, and anything that they said or did, the world paid attention, and this album, you know, no exception.
3: I love the moodiness on that cover. It's just—it's just. Uh, it's just uh, I, Candy used the word "cool." I, I don't know if cool, "cool" is the exact word I would use, but it was a, a welcome change from the from all the you know the mop top, like like you said, the mm-hmm. mop tops stuff. Uh, they were getting away from that, and they were letting people know that things had it, were definitely different now. You know, they weren't. You know, they weren't what what we what we thought they were. We weren't. The, uh, they weren't what we originally knew them as they were evolving and uh, that was one of the things that was really good it, actually it's kind of you know it's kind of scary when you if you had been able to predict the future and see what was coming up after with revolver you know that would have that would have i think freaked a lot of people out
1: which I, it did when it came out
3: right but i think if people had mm-hmm. known that that was going yeah. to be the next step it really would have scared them and i but there really wasn't the clue that that was going to be the next step, uh, you know. But uh, they were definitely, they had definitely grown up, and and it was not, and it was nice, and it also kind of let people know and let the establishment know that they weren't going anywhere. Um, right. And that I think, I think that question hung over their heads ever since the beginning, you know, because the, you know, the the establishment just frowned on them completely, and, you know, when they saw Rubber Soul and they saw the seriousness, uh, they knew that wasn't going to happen. So Right,
1: right. At that point, they were, yeah, I mean, they had proven themselves, if you will, or, or yeah, they were, well, you know, they were considered artists, really, from that point on. Um, it's funny, it's, we were talking before about the Grammy that Paul was, you know, involved with this on, the denominator for Grammy, but in, in this year, of in 65, when they had, they had all these singles that came out, mm-hmm. um, including we, "We Can Work It Out." The they didn't win like they they were. I don't know if it made me think of this, but like Grammy completely snubbed them. It was their eleventh number one single in less than two years. But even mm-hmm. with that, like they were. I think in, in that year in '65 they were nominated for eleven Grammys and didn't win a single one. And Roger Miller's "King of the Road" won, and. Right. Um, over
3: yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, the Grammy history is is just horrible. Right, it's, it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing.
1: I know. I think it's because they were threatened. You know, the 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 American music industry just like was was threatened by them and didn't really quite know what to make of them. Well, I,
2: plus also the you know the the Recording Academy was made up in those days. You know, of people whose you know whose musical background. And whose musical head was basically stuck, you know, right in, you know, easy listening, big bands, you know, jazz, you know, anything but
1: rock and roll. Right. And isn't that why Frank Sinatra started Reprise Records as a way of, like, getting away from all of this and doing his, you know, sort of taking over some of this for the old guard again? Mm
3: -hmm. Um, But he he
1: ended up having to put
3: rock and roll on free yeah. to make money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they weren't going to make money if they if right. they didn't. He the hated
1: the Beatles. He hated
3: them. Well, he like hated the he hated so the Beatles, but then he ended up recording something which right and and
2: yesterday as well. Uh mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, he hated. Re- in fact, he hated rock and roll in general. Well, you know. And
1: everything that it represented.
2: Yes. Like. Yeah. Very, very, very much so. So that's you know that that kind of prevailing attitude is why. Uh, the Beatles were constantly snubbed by, you know, the Recording Academy, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's... I, uh,
1: mm-hmm. um, what I was going to say was that with Rubber Soul, also, I think, was when fans started getting this sense that there was more going on here. In other words, that, that you know, sort of they started listening closely, mm-hmm. the close listening, and this sense that they had something important to say, that it, this, was, this was music and it was wonderful and we were being entertained and it was still danceable at that point. But, but beyond that, there was this sense that we were being communicated to. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And there were also adult themes yeah. in a lot of those songs.
1: Right, it seemed more like man meets woman rather than boy meets girl. Exactly you know, and the complexities of relationships. And this is where some, you know, young fans said, you know, like, I I got this, you know, sneak peek into this adult world that maybe I didn't really need or didn't fully understand. But um, Norwegian was actually a really good example of how fans of different ages reacted to that because to Mm. them. And because some of them thought, oh, this is just You know, like sleeping in the bathtub—that's you know—that struck some fans as funny and humorous. I didn't really get what was going on. Another Mm -hmm. one, you know, says like, "Well, I don't know. There was some kind of relationship that didn't end very well." You know, and but older, like college-age listeners said, "Oh, that song is about sex. You know, it's sexual freedom, and and it's you know, it, it it just exudes freedom." And so wherever you whatever you brought to it, you know the the meaning you got out of it, you know. And this is um, this doesn't, this is the kind of stuff that academics talk about. But you know the, the the meaning that you get is created in that space between what you bring and what the artist presents. You know. And so, however, you know, if you were ten, eleven, twelve, or twenty, that was going to determine how you interpreted this and the meaning that you got out of it. But because they're there was so much there there's you know as it was such a rich stimulus that there was a lot of meaning there no matter what you brought to it you could get something out of it and that was true all along and and i think that that's part of why we were so hooked in because the, there was so much there to explore in terms of sound and meaning and and just the, the feel that the how, how the music made you feel
3: mhm
0: You know, I've always thought that actually Rubber Soul was in some ways much more of a concept album than Pepper because almost every one of the songs, with the possible exception of Nowhere Man, and you could probably bend it to the theme if you wanted Mm. to, these are all songs about love and its many different aspects, as as Candy sort of um, hinted. You know, and yeah, all pop albums are almost all songs about love. But if you look at the, mm-hmm. if you look at what's going on song by song, you know the the word is a, a different kind of love, right? It's you know love yeah. as a concept, mm-hmm. and there is you know if I needed someone, which is you know just totally kind of casual, non-committal, like oh yeah, I might call you. Mm-hmm. Um, Drive my car is a kind of weird relationship where. You know, there's a relationship going on, but one person is a little subservient there, and it turns out right. to be the guy. Right. Um, now uh, you're Norwegian talking Wood.
1: about the UK. The um, this is not uh, yes, talking I, yeah, about the going, rubber soul that we, going we didn't grow to say up that, with that rubber soul.
0: <laughs> right, I was going to say that we we all took the album home and and put the needle down and heard a song that, from the Beatles' point of view, wasn't even on the album.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, Exactly. Right,
0: yeah, I mean, and actually, if you bring in the the American ones, then you, you it still fits the theme. Um, mm-hmm. I've just it's seen the face. You know? yeah. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: In fact, actually, in a certain way, use the American one, then you don't have the problem of whether Nowhere Man fits the theme or not.
1: Yeah. The American version is real, it's all love song, and I think yeah. that that was part of, you know, that was part of, I, I think that drew people in. I mean, I think that was part of it. In other words, it, it's like, it's. It, I want to hold your hand, she loves... You know, all the other stuff were love songs, too. Well, here's another... Here's more, you know, he, she, boy, girl, whatever. But it's like it was so, you know, more sophisticated, more grown-up, yeah. more mature, more sexual, on, on, on the surface, you've got sexual.
0: you got Run For Your Life, which is, you know, sort of insane jealousy. I mean, not that you mm. didn't have that already and you can't do that, but... Um, you know, really, every one of these songs takes a completely different look at at love as as a concept or as a, a motivator of relationships or or whatever, and 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 that to me, makes this album hang together as sort of a song cycle, as they used to say back in Schubert's day, Um, (laughs) you know, more than Pepper is, you know, Pepper is a bunch of different things. And then, you know, we think of it as kind of a concept album, but we know it's not really a concept album. Uh, This is a concept album in a way. You know? yeah, I th- yeah, I
1: think that's true. I, th- I think that's definitely true. I mean, and and so many different facets. And the word, I mean, I think is a really interesting song because even if you if we say they're all love songs, it's sort of a slightly, like you said before, Alan's a slightly different kind of um, love song. But that's where the Beatles, John, but, you know, speaking for all of them, come out and say, like, you know, I'm here to show everybody the light. You know, this was right. um, mm-hmm. a moment where... I think that this is where they became you know the the philosophers if you will the sages of our tribe you know this is where they kind of you know put consciously or unconsciously you know tongue-in-cheek or high from whatever but that's you know that's kind of what they put out there and I'm here to show everybody the light and say the word and be like me and and it was it was very very powerful because Again, looking at the context, what was going on in the country at that time with, you know, this is when we're already starting to hear all about the generation gap and, you know, mm-hmm, Vietnam mm-hmm. And, and all this, you know, it's really heating up at that point. And so they come out and really declare themselves, for all intents and purposes, the uh, leaders of the counterculture.
2: It's almost as if it was uh, all you need is love, Mach
3: 1.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I, I think that's mm-hmm. true.
3: Candy, where do you think the, um, the original, or I should say the, the youngest fans, how did they, how did they accept rubber soul? I mean, we know that the original fans who were, had been them with the, uh, from, from the beginning were, you know, were fine with it, but I mean, did they start to grow up a little too quickly for some people, you think? No,
1: not with rubber soul. That, that you mean know, in terms of defecting and. Sort of keeping, and not being so into it anymore. No, Rubber Soul did not turn off any young fans because it was still accessible. It was still recognizable as music, mm-hmm. you know, and it was beautiful, and, and it was also, the way it was recorded was very, you know, it was like they were singing right in your ear, you know. There was something, it was... Um, no, they they some of them said I wasn't sure what to make of it, but again by this point there was this already this reservoir of trust between the Beatles and the fans. So even if you didn't get it right away, you know, yeah, this they're singing about grown up stuff, you know, but, mm-hmm. but the songs were, were accessible. Now, of course, with the with, uh, Revolver that changes, you know, with yes. Tomorrow right. Never Knows and, and well particularly Tomorrow Never Knows and Love You Too. In fact, tomorrow the placement of Tomorrow Never Knows was especially disturbing because it's like, this is what they left me with? Oh, no. Yeah. You know, but then, then <laughs> you know, the, the monkeys and, and all that, which, you know, well, as we, I've talked about before with um, Steve and maybe some of you, you know, that, that the monkeys were there <laughs> to... Um, that void when the Beatles started to become less accessible, let's say, but but that didn't happen with Rubber Soul, and I, you know it may also be because it, they were all love songs, and they were as as brilliant and sophisticated and different as they were. They were still accessible as love songs, whereas with Revolver that starts to be a little more out there and and diversey. It just it was just a stranger thing. It was just less accessible.
2: Right, she said. She said was not a not a she, love song.
1: Right, right, right. Well, it is, but it, I mean, well, who knows what it is, right? In other words, <laughs> as, a, as a as a young fan, I mean, we know where it came from, huh? but again, like nobody knew, like we didn't know any of the backstories or or the you know where these things came from, and and sure. so. But rubber Soul is very sweet and innocent in a way. If you think about it, it was really this wonderful moment where they really were blossoming. And of course, you know, we, we would be remiss to not point out that this was when they started really becoming full-blown potheads.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True.
1: And, you know, in addition, I mean, I think at that point that was the drug of choice. And, you know, I, don't they basically didn't, they say at one, you know, that's the pot album and and the others are the LSD album, you know, uh, Revolver and uh, Pepper. So I think that, and, you know, uh, the nineteen sixty five book andrew um, andrew jackson's book really uh is interesting in this regard because he focuses mm-hmm. in on this one year and you know we all know how drugs important drugs were to the story of the evolution of the beatles and and all of this, but reading that book, you really see how th- this was the year where that really happened, and so you know, one can reasonably ask, you know, what you know. I mean, since since everybody loves Beetle hypotheticals, let's throw one out. What what if they weren't getting high? What would the album after help that you know? In other words, who knows? I mean, what what did their expanded creativity, drug induced, um, how did that? What did that give us? You know.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting. Yeah, to Think that's,
2: about that's a, yeah that, that really is actually. You know, when you consider that Dylan's probably Dylan's most fruitful—well, okay, his first most fruitful period came when, at the point where he was really getting more and more involved with pot, mm-hmm. you know, and also moving into electric, you know, uh, moving into rock and roll and such. It's yeah, uh, it's 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 very interesting to conju- uh to uh, uh, to think about. Where the Beatles' career and where their their music would have gone if they had not had, say, some shall we say, organic influence? Right.
1: Well, and, I mean, you could actually take that not only the Beatles but all all of this, you know, yes. this, this pop music renaissance that we all yeah. experienced. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really very much drug fueled, you know. Uh, yeah. to I mean, with them. You know, again, they were the leaders of every, you know, they were at the forefront of everything. But, sure. yeah, the, the, and again, I mean, this really, I mean, I would say, you know, I know the history, I know the story. But it, it was interesting reading the book that, you know, Andrew's book that really just drilled down on 1965. Yes. And you really see this very, very much so. clearly.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So, I
1: mean, didn't did, did fans know listening to Rubber Soul that they were, I don't think we knew that. No we, no, no, no,
2: we didn't know.
1: We, we didn't, we didn't know. know
2: any of that. In fact, we were, we're, yeah. in fact, a lot of us didn't even know at that point what pot was.
3: Right. right.
1: I think it was really not until, um, well, I mean, Paul's interview after a week yes. or so, after Pepper came out, yes, it was exactly. obvious. But I, I mean, some fans looked at Sergeant, even not the Lucy thing aside. I mm-hmm. think that by that point, older fans, there were some that were sophisticated enough to realize what was going on with that, but most fans had no idea.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. Hmm? Jenny, did you interview people I'm, I'm sure you did actually, who were say in in college around the time this came out because I mean we were
1: yes, I did yeah, I did um in fact, I had one one person I interviewed um this woman, she uh, went to see help, and she herself was already a pot smoker mm. And so, um, you know, remembers it in that way. So I think that some older fans were more kind of aware of some of those things. I mean, are you asking me about the drug aspect or just being older in general?
0: I wonder no, I, if they. I mean, I guess the the the, the um, sort of information coming out about what the Beatles themselves were up to was was kind of limited in, in terms of, you know, drugs and things like that. But I, I'm I'm just sort of wondering whether older people could intuit, you know, that that something was going on.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think some older. As I said before, even with Robert Soul. I mean, I think some older fans might have had, you know, might have. Had that sense. I don't. I, but um, I, don't, I didn't ask about that particular form of soul. But I remember this one woman saying about um, help that um, not necessarily that she knew the Beatles were, but in other words, I guess what I'm saying is that you had older fans, college age, who themselves were because that was the moment where that was all happening. I mean, that's the thing about '65 is that's when. Pot became not only for jazz musicians and beatniks and whoever, mm-hmm. you know, it really went. It really became somewhat mainstream in '65, you know, for, for certain, you know, certainly on a college campus. So, yeah, I mean, some fans were pretty more sophisticated in that way and and experienced it in in, in the way the Beatles produced it, let's say. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, we had no idea. And then there were some fans who said that even after Pepper, they didn't want to believed that the Beatles were using drugs, they they didn't, Mm -hmm. it it ruined their uh, perception of them, you know, and especially, and also too, with there was um, when in the summer of 67, when it all came out about with Paul and and all that, his interview, um, and then parents got very concerned, you know, it's one thing to emulate their hair. And form mm. a band, but I don't want you doing this. And then we started hearing all the stuff about chromosome damage from LSD and all the, all these things. And a couple of fans said, well, I don't know how to reconcile this because people are telling me, on the one hand, I'm being told this is dangerous, stay away from this, this is very bad. But here are these guys who are doing this and they're creating this great art and... Um, yeah, I mean, I talk about the drugs, and I, it's fine, because I didn't really know we were going to get into this, but um, I think it's an interesting part of the story. You know, again, like, my approach to the Beatles is, you know, I look very much at the context and, and the experience of going up with them, and, and it's this the whole drug thing is an aspect of this that really doesn't get talked about enough, but it was, um, they, you know, there's no question that they certainly inspired um, unwittingly a lot of people to use drugs. It's just a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. So um, now, whether that started with with the uh, rubber soul, we uh, probably not, but certain mm. the the album itself, uh, you know, they were um, indulging at that time, so. which yeah. does not take away from it. I mean, you know, I mean, if you know, people through the ages have used all kinds of hallucinogenics and and you know drugs to write and do art, of, you know, so it's that per se is not really unique to them. I think what makes it it's a different kind of question because of the, the cultural role that they took on as as leader you know as, as role models in the mm-hmm. it's huge demographic so sure. their substance use kind of becomes um you know it's a different
0: thing Yeah, that's
2: hmm. true actually one thing though it should you know kind of a disclaimer on that is that you know there were that you know there were there were some people who people who were you know around my age and I was about 16 at that point and you know not everybody slavishly followed everything that the Beatles did right you know no no, that's true you know so so there were people who were major fans but they weren't silly enough to say, oh, well, I have to do everything that John Lennon does.
1: You right. Know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, they were, yeah, I mean, that's true. Not everybody went along with everything they did. And, 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 you know, it was sort of a contagion, I think, you know, if you think about how we, you know, we listened with friends, we listened in mixed mm-hmm. age mixed age groups you know so there was some older kid who knew something and you know so maybe that was the older kid who was going to bring the pot first or whatever so it's Mm -hmm. so and 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 there was you know i mean it it was but but you're right i mean not everybody went along with everything that that they did and and but they, they were a focal point and mm-hmm. even if you didn't yes. go along with it, you knew what they were up to, and you mm-hmm. probably knew some people who
3: were going along with it. <laughs> Very true. And, <laughs> the, and the, you know, and I, and I don't think the the drug thing had really permeated the culture just yet, because I no. mean, the, the top. in
1: '65.
3: Oh, no, the top, the top mo- the t- most popular movie in '65 was *Sound of Music*. So. I mean, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, people were still, you know, kind of adrift. Uh, or not, I, I should say, hadn't caught on to that yet, you know, so.
1: Yeah, th- most people had not, it, but definitely not. But, you know, by, by certainly by, certainly, a- absolutely by the time of Pepper, I mean, there, there was yeah. already, you see the influence in, in advertising. I mean, you can look at advertising, you know, around that period and almost tell, like, is this, well, even back in '64, you can say, "Is this pre-Beatles or post-Beatles?" And and same thing with mm. with with the psychedelic period. I mean, you it changed everything. I mean, it, it's the um, that's, I, hate to, I shouldn't say it changed everything because that's really kind of in a sense a meaningless phrase. But you start to see in advertising and fashion and interior design, you know, you start to see this this psychedelic psychedelicized, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. right. True. You know, and even like, and it got into other, you know, like other, what is it? Reflections by the Supremes. I mean, you start to see yeah. this kind of, um, mm-hmm. you know, this, and, and, you know, in TV, you know, this kind of sort of slightly diluted, um, you know, whitewashed sort of way of incorporating this new aesthetic into different forms and things. It's very, it was really a fascinating time, you know, every time I I, I start talking about it with with people who are, you know, equally as enamored of the period and the Beatles. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating because it it was, it was, we were really blessed and really lucky to live at that time and experience this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I, Write about this, and I talk about it, and I sort of forget about it, and then I'm in a conversation like this, and it really kind of hits me anew, you know, that it really was quite an amazing thing that we, and it was only six years, six years, and it was done, you know, and then we have all this this music to listen to, but yeah, do um, you think people will be listening to Rubber Soul in fifty years? Oh, oh, I know I know it. It. oh. no question.
2: Sure, no question. Yeah, I think so too. No so. no question. It's you know, and uh having a musicologist here, I can, you know, kind of assume that he'll back me up on this. <laughs> but I you know, to a great extent, the Beatles have become the in a sense in a sense the classical music of this of this time, of this age. I think
0: that's yeah, true. probably. I mean there's that's one way of I mean, there are different kinds of classical music now. There's a sure. million different kinds of... Um, but, you know, I mean, one thing that I think we're seeing, and I haven't seen it much with Rubber Soul, although I wouldn't be surprised if there was one out there, but we're beginning to see people covering whole albums. There are, I can think of two or three recordings of Sgt. Pepper people have mm-hmm. done. He started you know. Big, Big Daddy years ago and did it as a kind of 50s mm-hmm. thing. and which, there was, been a, which
3: was not very good. I'm sorry. I didn't... It like was that.
0: amusing. Um, yeah. There's one that um, just—I don't know if it was released or not—but someone sent me um, files for it, which is a, um, a chamber ensemble, basically called Art of Time. But they—I oh, uh, haven't heard that one. Yeah, they—they they also use it's—it's it's not just straight chamber instruments. There's there's band stuff and everything, but they just did a, a full pepper, um, and they've been touring with it. Um,
3: well, if, and of course there's the cheap trick version and the. Um, which is really really good And the um I can't remember said I should remember his name because he put me I I he credited me on the album the um the guitarist uh Andy um can't remember his name now
0: is it timmons or yes
3: yes yep. uh who which is very very good it is um uh, and
0: then there's the smithereens doing meet the Beatles." so i mean i, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if you know as this is this trend picks up mm-hmm. that we start seeing people reinterpreting not just Beatles songs but whole Beatles albums mm-hmm. as, yeah. uh, and and rubber soul i think um holds a lot of promise for um, for that kind of thing. But, you know, we, we talked um, a little bit before about the difference of the British and American Rubber sole, but Rubber Soul also has a number of stereo and mono differences, you know, the, the mm. full start on I'm looking through you. And mm-hmm. uh, so Rubber Soul is, uh, you know, as... A fanatical collector if, if any of you regard yourselves as, as that I mean it's an album that you were able to discover several times in different ways
3: <laughs> you know actually, and I was going to bring up the the discussion about whether the American version is better than the the u k version, and there are a number of people, and not just i don't know if it's just u s fans or not, but I mean a number of people think the American rubber soul is better than the than the u k
1: well, I think for the reason that Alan said, it it's more cohesive. Um, yeah, it, it hangs together, and it and uh, as you said, as we were saying before, they're all love songs. They're all kind of within a, you know, the same themes. Whereas the UK one is is it, it's it's more diverse. It has more outliers in that sense. They're both great. It, mm-hmm. I think it's like pizza. I think you like the one you grew up with. <laughs>
3: yeah. I like that Thank analogy. You. That's a great analogy. Yeah and and in that vein
2: a lot of you know there are a lot of young people who perhaps got into the Beatles in the late 80s when the first CDs came out and when when Apple basically uh made the the UK versions the uniform versions of the of the catalog and so they don't know any other versions
0: uh-huh.
2: of of those albums but the you know the UK versions it's only the people who are you know from the earlier Beatle generations or music generations that know the American albums
3: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: so it's probably very much that that if you that if you kind of grew up with the the lineup from the American album, that's the one you kind of gravitate to uh, if not, if you grew up uh, say anywhere from the you know the mid eighties on or earlier mid eighties on. It's probably the U.K. lineup. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think think that's still the case for for those of us like uh, our age where, you know, we have had now the U.K. ones on CD for quite a long time? And I think a lot of us also got into the U.K. ones as LPs way back once we discovered there are differences. Yes. Do you still gravitate to the American one?
1: I do. I do. Hmm. I admit it.
0: So if you put one on, it's going to be the U.S. one, rather. Well, I
1: have them listed. I have American rubber sole, American revolver. You know, that's how I have them in my. That's how I I, categorize. Although a revolver, I'm coming around. I think I like the British revolver now. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I you know, I, again, I think it, it gets into your, it's, it's, you know, when it got into your DNA, what was the configuration, you know, yeah. and, I, and I think that knowing that it's not an accurate representation of their artistic development and knowing, you know, all that we do now about how these other records came to be, it's Beatle music, you know, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I love Yesterday and Today, which is, of course, the, you know, the, 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 the bastard child that, yes. you know, <laughs> was created in this melange you know i love that i just think it's a great collection of songs is it a legitimate album well you know maybe not you know it depends how one wants to define that but you know it it also i think gets to you know how we enjoy music and 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 what um i don't know i love yesterday Mm. and today and I'm not ashamed to admit it.
3: I, I think I think though that with uh, with the UK albums on CD for so long, I think it's probably the US album thing has kind of uh, mellowed a little bit, or I should say weakened a little bit. I don't think it's as strong as it used to be. Well,
2: of um, course, now now what you can do, all you have to do is go into iTunes.
1: Exactly, make a make, playlist. A, <laughs> make a you know
2: make a playlist of. All of the of the you know the fourteen songs from the uh, from the the UK Rubber Soul add in I've just seen a face and it's only love and you've got the perfect Rubber Soul, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the other thing. I, I you know you raise a really important point about you know we're talking about how people listen and will people be listening in the future? I mean, the whole the whole notion of an album has changed since yes. music has become digital and and so right. it's it's about songs now more than it is about albums I think to a large extent right Indeed. but when I was writing the book I was um, I put together a, a uh, uh, yesterday and today you know I made my little playlist of yesterday and today mm-hmm. and uh, and I hadn't listened to that collection in one sitting like that in Quite a while, and I loved it. It was it was really again recognizing that it's this Frankenstein of a, of an album. It was great. It's the Beatles. You
3: know? I, I know we've discussed this here before, but with the uh, U.S. albums box set that basically took the remasters and shuffled them all around, do the does the uh, Capital album the earlier Capital albums box sets um, are those more in tune with? With uh, are are the, are those? Uh, do you like those more uh, than the um, the U.S. album set, or do you take the U.S. album set as a you know as for what it is as a modernization of the of the uh, catalog?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll let someone else answer. That. I, I I think you know. I mean, as as unsophisticated and as you know retro as it sounds, I I really I really do think it's like pizza. Mm-hmm. And you, because it it does. I, I mean, you, you when a song ends, you it's so ingrained in you. You expect to hear the next one. I don't know. It's it, it's an it's an interesting thing. I mean, this whole difference between the UK and the American is yet another aspect of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, you when know, it, that it, is engaging and and opens our minds to things. You uh-oh. know. De- another the interesting thing about the American rubber soul is that it's only 30 minutes long mm-hmm. right and I think that this you you know you listen to it it's only a half a, and you play, fans played it over and over and over again and they talked about you know it was so satisfying that they just got up and put it on again and um, you know they remember you know memorizing it in the weekend you know or just sitting in their room and listening to it over and over because it, it's quick. You know, it's very quick. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they yeah. all sort of were in those days, especially the American ones, because you know we only got 12 tracks instead of 14. That's and, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. But, but yeah.
3: There, was, there was this true, desire but...
1: to like get to know it, you know, to know the words and and to sure you know, like drive to familiarize yourself with it right away. And and it was also you know so you listen by yourself. And you would listen with your friends and discuss it. And it was, you know, it was a very communal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in terms
0: of getting to know the words, like from an American perspective, um, you know, and you, some things were very weird. Like, you know, and, and you won't see me when I call you up, your line's engaged. I had a really yeah. hard time figuring mm. out what that line was. Because <laughs> right. we don't talk about lines being engaged. We just say right. busy I know. So, I know. Well, but
1: it, it, you, know, it, you know, we were so, tuned, I mean, it, it was like this Quaint, you know, this like another cool thing it was this British yes. expression,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were all besotted with that kind of stuff, you know.
2: much. Oh yes. Oh yes. Very much. Oh, so.
3: yes. Oh, yes. So, very much. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
2: And and to kind of to kind of answer what Steve was saying before or asking before about the you know uh, the the um, the original American mix of rubber soul as opposed to the 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 the, the, the version of Rubber Soul that was put in the U.S. albums box mm-hmm. uh, last year. I think Candy's right. I think it's like <laughs> it's like pizza. Uh, it's you know if you know if there's a particular you know a particular type of of pizza that you kind of grew up with, that's what you like. Mm-hmm. So it's the same kind of thing here. That if that's the if the American mix, if the original American mix of Rubber Soul is what you grew up with. That's what you like. If you grew up again, as I was saying before, with the you know the UK lineup and the UK mix, say from the original CDs of 1987, you know that's what you prefer.
3: And and technically speaking, that original mix, the Dave Dexter mix, is. I mean, that's those stuff. Those things are horrible. I mean, but that's what we had, you know, back then. And, yeah, and, sure. And I don't remember River Soul being that affected by it. Do you?
2: It's it's not as affected no, by probably, it no, as no, it the isn't. you know as you know the really second did. album and right. something new and those albums, yeah.
3: But they still didn't have the I mean they still didn't have the uh, the great the the better quality mixes that the that the uh, UK ones did. So, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. as it wasn't nearly as it wasn't nearly as bad.
0: Mm-hmm. So Thank now you. that we've had remixes for the one stuff, how do you guys feel about a remixed Rubber Soul completely from scratch?
2: Sure, I have no problem because I I had no problem with the uh, the '87 remix of right. of of, of, Hel- of Help and Rubber Soul. I right. you know I I actually I found it more listenable, bec- you know, so that it wouldn't have again you know that that great contrast of everything in one channel every you know all the instruments in one channel all the vocals all the way over on the other side you know that kind of thing that it was more it was more moderate and more listenable you know.
3: i i i would love it but i would dread if they would redo everything and put it all out just the expense of you know people having to buy everything well, well. Yeah. I, yeah i i i I Wait, no one makes you buy it. No, <laughs> but, yeah, but, you, it if you yeah, want it. No, but it's I mean, true. But you know how it. I mean, we all know how it is. Yeah, and and you know, people are gonna. You know, people are gonna be wanting that stuff, especially because those mix. The one mixes were so good. I mean, I and it's really and it's actually really kind of amazing. I mean, I don't know what you've encountered, Alan. I know Al probably has, and I have. I mean, the the reaction to the one mixes has been incredibly positive. More, yes. Way more positive than than you'd ever expect from Beetle Fans. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, because Beetle Fans are so critical. I mean, they yeah. really are. And I, you know, and I'm not saying that in a kind of a snarky way. I mean, it's just the truth. You know. Yeah. I mean, they they. Uh, I, I admit I have not seen some of the. Um, I'm sure that there are people that have gone through these things and and you know and and gone into great detail and I have not had the chance to to really look at that. I know one person that did do it, but you know I mean for I mean even that you know there has been incre- an incredibly positive response and it's just really really amazing. Um and
1: well, it's it's interesting to think, you know, I mean down the road there's going to be other formats probably that Maybe can't even envision, and uh, mm-hmm. how many how many times we've purchased these songs, mm-hmm. and oh, it's yeah. not and it's not over yet. I don't think.
3: Blu-ray right? Blu-ray's been rumored for a couple of years now, um, so that's one thing that you know that and and people keep mentioning they'd like to see it on uh, see them on Blu-ray, and uh, so that's uh, you know. I, and I'm not talking like the Blu-ray on the video on the uh, videos. So I'm talking about Blu-ray audio. Mm-hmm. So there's something right there, you know. God only and 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 you and you're right. We don't even know what's what hasn't been invented yet. So right. sure.
2: And think of as Candy was saying the the number of formats that we have bought this album in in, right. in fifty years. You know, from from LPs to cassettes to eight tracks. To you know, and some some people who bought pre-recorded reel-to-reels in those days, right? right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to to CDs, to
0: stereo um, and mono,
2: stereo right? Mm-hmm. Stereo and, and mono,
0: British uh, and American,
2: right? Exactly, <laughs> and then yeah, and, and of course the Japanese versions that were you know that were back in the eighties were considered to be so much better, you know, and and on and on and on. And, you know, think of how many, how many, maybe Apple
0: should, maybe Apple should, if we, you know, send them uh, listings of our collections, give us one upgrade free. Yeah, right. That's a good
1: idea. Uh, Really? uh, Really? To go off
0: topic for a second. um, I bought the uh, 18 disc Dylan 1965, 66 set. You lucky dog, you. Well. And um, and it wasn't cheap, but, you know, I love that stuff, and I felt I should have it, even though I actually already had most of it on bootlegs. But this was a beautiful production. And on Friday, the people who had bought the set got an email from Sony saying, we are giving you, as a bonus, 208 eight." more tracks
3: yes. yeah i, I, really? I, I heard wow. today i heard that today and i was
0: yeah, live stuff basically from 65 now some of it is audience recordings a lot of it is soundboard um a couple of tv show performances i mean it's just incredible and in terms of fostering goodwill towards a company um
3: yeah. hey that's the way to do it that's the way to do it wow yeah. wow
1: that's very that's
2: interesting right. Yeah, I heard about this from Tom Frangione as well. well I got
3: this, the you know. I, I got the email from Dylan dot com today, and I was, and I immediately looked at the price. I was going, well, if it's a decent price, I might have to run in and do it. And then I looked at the price and I went, uh, I'm gonna have to think about this one. Yeah, <laughs> this is not cheap. Not even not even close to cheap. No,
2: no, not even no, that's not on my landscape.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you lucky dog, you. But if you consider you're getting
0: another. 14 discs worth you know
3: are they you have to download those 14 discs though do you not
0: yeah and they're available only on mp3s at 320 so it's you know it's it's okay um but yeah i mean it's i don't know i just thought it was a I, i'd heard that it was coming actually but um until it actually turned up i wasn't sure whether to believe it and i thought well, you know why doesn't apple do something like this you know and we'd be happy to buy you know the 18 mm. discs of you know whatever it is, and and you know, and then have a bonus as well. I mean, that's it's really nice.
3: How about but Bo- like, anyway,
0: that's a digression.
3: How about Speak- Beatles bootlegs rec- recordings, 1965? I mean, that. There we go.
0: Yeah, they're not going to do it. No, I know, you know they're not.
3: I know they're not. But. So, yeah.
1: Speaking of um, availability of Beatles music, ha- have the Beatles been completely removed from YouTube? Uh, so. they they seem
2: to be getting there because you know when when, when I've been, you know the, the stuff that I do online, uh, the kind of anniversaries and yeah. and things. When I've been looking for certain Beatles recordings recently, I've noticed that yeah,
1: they're uh, not there anymore.
2: Yeah, so it's very pie because when the Rubber Soul anniversary came up, I'm looking for you know any basically almost any track from the album. And I'm getting you know this this cover and this cover exactly and
1: this exactly cover, yeah you know, I'm wondering and, if it had I mean because it must have been pretty recently because I I mean I rely on them a lot for different things so yes. a quick way to you know and they there was this sort of almost every song was there and they looked like I don't know if they were official Apple postings but they looked mm-hmm. legit you know yeah. and suddenly that whole they're all not there anymore so yeah. i think they got mm-hmm. rid of them and it seems to have coincided with the release of one although that may just be a coincidence yeah,
2: uh, it uh, it's very possible
3: I don't um, know. A few weeks ago,
0: like, when I wrote anti White's bit for, for the Times, so they, they you know they like having links, and so I put in links to both love me do's, and they were both pretty easy to find. And while I was still there? while I was looking for those, the the whole please please me album came up. And um, huh. so as of a couple of weeks ago, those tracks were still there. Yeah. Well,
1: as of last week, I don't know because I looked yeah. for a few things, and um, they were, I don't know. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Well, the more they take them down, the more more people are going to put them up again. So you just have to catch them when you can, I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, I'm still seeing um, stuff uploaded every day. So it's not like it's not happening. And I suppose
0: maybe we should mention one other news item, which is that the videos for One and One Plus I think went up on iTunes today.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: If you if you want to get those things in that format, um, there. Those are.
1: are those are really a treat. Those are yeah. an absolute treat. Mm-hmm. They really
0: are.
2: Yep. Which 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 again may account for what Can, uh, what Candy was just saying about the sudden disappearance of much of the um, you know, the, the the core catalog.
3: Right.
1: Yeah, I I somehow think it's related, but I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But I mean Alan's saying he found stuff, you know, he found Love Me Do a few weeks ago, so I don't know. But
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So this has been a fun discussion of a fascinating album, a really important album in the Beatles catalog. And I, on behalf of all of us, I'd like to thank Candy for turning up and talking to us. And uh, when is the paperback version of Beatleness coming uh, out? Well, I,
1: that was actually a kind of a secret, but <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
1: um, it's going to be coming out in, the, for, in time for the fest.
0: Uh, oh, april, so that's, in april oh, i see i see so um, it will
1: not be out for holiday gift giving so everybody who wants to buy Nest as a gift for somebody this holiday season which they absolutely should because any beatle fan will love it you'll have to buy the paperback but the, the the uh hardcover excuse me but the paperback will be out in the spring There
3: is also a uh there is also an audio version isn't there
1: yes there is and it's also an ebook so whatever okay. format you there like there you go Mm-hmm. Just like the Beatles. Whatever format yeah, you like, it's available.
0: There you go. Yeah. It's, uh, like think... <laughs> it's like pizza. It's
1: pizza. I like the hardback. <laughs> I, somebody, somebody, somebody asked me what I was going to... Was I working on another book and what was it going to be about? And I was. I jokingly said, I, I think I'm going to write a book about pizza because I want to only write about things that everybody loves. <laughs> so, anyway, well, I digress.
0: You're fascinated with, Candy. Um, <clears throat> so, uh... Al, you have anything you want to mention coming up that you're doing? You might as well mention your book anyway
2: yes absolutely uh for those of you who are looking for something historical to give to somebody for christmas by all means uh change in times one hundred and one days to shape the generation uh covering the period from november twenty second nineteen sixty three to march first nineteen sixty four uh on parading press uh i think you'll i think you'll really enjoy it especially if you're gonna uh, you know give it to some uh very history minded uh Young person, or or even uh, an old uh, an old codger who remembers that period.
1: It's a great okay. book. And I enjoyed reading it a lot. Yeah,
0: thank you. Yeah, and Steve, um, um, what should what should fans of yours give to their? To well,
3: their I ha- I have a uh, very uh, very cheap gift for any, especially monkeys fans. I have a uh, a book called Meet a Monkey, Davy Jones. It's on uh, Kindle and and you can get it on Nook um it's only 99 cents it's very cheap and um it has the contents of my interviews with davy jones and he does talk about the beatles so it's beetle related also so there you go
0: okay and um everyone should feel free to pick up multiple copies of my book the beatles from the cavern to the rooftop um mm-hmm. And press, or um, if you, I think the ebook of got that something. How the Beatles, I want to hold your hand, changed everything is still out there. But then you can think of Candy saying that how things change everything doesn't mean anything. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can read the book and you can decide whether that changed everything. And, and there we and, go. Send candy a you note. Know. Um, no,
1: it, it did change everything. But sometimes in conversation, when you say that it sounds like hyperbole, but when you're talking about the Beatles, there's really no such thing as hyperbole, you know, because, yes, because it was so dramatic uh, an impact.
0: That's true. That, now I feel better. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think I came up with that title actually though so uh, anyway so for my co-hosts Steve Marinucci and Al Sussman and in absentia Ken Michaels and for our guest Candy Leonard this is Alan Kozen saying goodbye and see you next time.